Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And today we actually have a colleague with us. I'm Ellen Broughton. It's one nice of, to be one here. One of us, one of yes. us at the Clay Center. So this is a, you know, talk about ridiculously simple. This is ridiculously complicated, but really complicated. Today we're going to be talking about the divisiveness, the polarization, kind of the- Wait, wait, wait. Are things polarized? Like in the country, you mean? Like people don't agree? Because I, have you heard that? Well, it, it, it's occurred to me that that's the case. You know what? I, 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 I hear tell. I hear, I hear tell that, I right. hear tell that people are having a little bit of differences now and then. You know, it's vitriolic. That's a big word. That means it's so brutal in many, many homes and households and among friends you know, so what's your experience? <laughs> <laughs> you already know my I, experience. I already know your experience. So I, I'm getting ready for the holidays now, and my family, I feel in some ways, is sort of the American melting pot around our, our Thanksgiving table. Um, some of us are very strong Democrats. Some of us are very strong Republicans. Some are very strong independents. And, um, and as you know, I, I, my mother's dog was named Riley after Bill O'Reilly, which for some of us is a, is a hard, hard thing to cope with, and others think it's the best thing ever. Right. Well, well, Although I do have to say, the dog was a terrible misbehaved well, so say, dog. Is it an Irish terrier? No, she had to give him away. He was, so, he was such a, he was such a he poorly behaved dog. He just never listened. Well, so, ship off the old block. Yeah, so, so I think it's, it's tough to know any, any possible topic you could bring up is going to be offensive to someone at our dinner table. So what's it like, what's it like sitting around the table with people who are going to be offended or angry or, or what? I think we all come, um, and this might, this might be what sets us apart from other families that, that have a lot of arguing, because uh, last year was a, was a very stressful year right after the election. And I think that we all come with the idea that we really, we, we love each other and that politics are probably not the best thing for us to discuss. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about other things, memories, and I think that's a really good way to cope with some of these things. Like you have your own culture when you are there with the people you love and have spent time with. So we spend a lot of time joking, making fun of each other. You don't fight? Um, you don't fight about the politics? We really didn't. Now, I mean, this remains to be seen. I, <laughs> well, we well, could talk in two it's, weeks it's not, and it could be different. Fight. It's, it was an active decision that you would talk about memories and you would avoid these topics. It, it sounds I like think it was an active decision on all of our parts. We don't see each other that often. Um, I think there's also, I think we're all smart enough, too, to know that it's kind of a stupid way for us to spend our time arguing about things that we can't this really is control. This is healthy in my view. I mean, because you're, 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 you all know where you're coming from and you all have made this either conscious or unconscious decision to stay away from it. But if you look at the news, if you look at what on, on And also, wait, you can't not look at the news. That's part of the issue. Right, like it's, right. It's everywhere. It's at you all the It's time. everywhere. So, but, but people are angrier and more volatile and at each other's throats than I can't remember a time well, like this. So this is worth actually um, bringing this back to mental health. It's not good for us. We know this. It's for, stressful. For fact, there's a lot of good studies 
this kind of um, vitriol at the dinner table or on the subway or on the media is actually really bad for us, but we're also programmed to pay attention to it. When one person's yelling at another person, you take notice. You can't afford not to take notice because it could involve you. So we're a little bit addicted to it, and that's actually driving this train. And so, so I think as the holidays approach, we got to find a way to acknowledge that we're a little but bit But before we it. even get to the holidays, you know, I have a question. You know, why is this happening? I mean, you know, look, I grew up in the, in the 60s. I was, you know, involved with all this kind of like really hot stuff that was happening. But even back then, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of, you know, anger and violence and, 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 and you know, but there's something really different now than there was many years ago. And I'm wondering what's the difference and why is, why is, you know? I, I mean, that, that's an empirical question that I, we can only give a guess to, I think. But, yeah. but my guess, and it's, it's what's similar about the 60s, I think, is that we all have a feeling that there's some kind of a loss of control. Whether it is our environment, whether it is um, the fluidity of sexuality, our uh, we, our, what are our values, our, our values, values yeah. are, and we don't really know what's happening. And I think that we sometimes go to politics and, and, and my family is actually quite like, we're very strong in our beliefs and well-informed. Um, and, uh, but I think it's like, we just, we want something to believe in that we can feel like it's going to, to keep us steady, maybe even hopeful, although I don't see a lot of hope. Well, there's all those studies that, you know, once a group of people becomes larger than 25, you actually need a cohesive set of beliefs that hold them together. And so, so you lock on to certain beliefs and you decide, I will associate with the folks who think this and not with the folks who think that. And then the, the social media world well, and the media a, world that's, in that's, general that, no, wait, there's locks a point. people this, together. What, one of the things that makes it different now is the instantaneous, you know, um, digital Right. news yep. or whatever you want to call it but the tweeting the instantaneous reactions the responses are like lightning speed and they're pervasive they're everywhere so do you, do you think that's something that helps foster this division oh without question oh, yeah it's no, both no, used yeah. to foster division and it also does it even when it's not used you know when it's not intended to do that uh, it, look, I, I'm going to tell a brief story. I, I grew up, actually, you grew up in Wisconsin, right? And right. And so I grew up in Kansas City, um, which God, and two most mi of... Two Midwesterners. Two Midwesterners. Jeez. Most <laughs> of um, the folks I grew up with were um, fairly right of center. Reagan spoke at my high school. I gave him a giant pencil. That was my, because I was on the student council. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. I got, stood up there on stage uh, with him. You have a picture of that? Uh, I do. I was not a Reagan fan. One time, my buddies and I, who were not um, Reagan fans, stole all of the uh, Democrat uh, campaign signs and put them in the yard of our AP government teacher, who was very Republican. Great teacher. <laughs> and that was like our prank, and he knew it was us. Yeah. Rather than get mad at us, he said, okay, look, that's funny, fine. But if you really don't agree with my beliefs, you gotta write me a paper about why that is, and I want you to present it to the class. Cool. And we had like a discussion Cool. And and it wasn't it wasn't hostile. It wasn't. He, he laughed. He said, "Fine, we're allowed to disagree, but you can't just disagree for the sake of disagreeing. You got to support your views." Well, you know, it's interesting because I used to watch William F. Buckley Jr., and who was on the opposite side of the fence from me. What struck me about him was that he was just like that. I mean, he was so articulate. He was so 
interesting and so creative but so thoughtful about it. And right now, I really don't think a lot of these arguments are filled with thoughtfulness you or can't mindfulness. Be thoughtful or in a tweet. Right. right. So, so the 140 right. characters. Although right. I, I do think there are thoughtful people on both sides of the political spectrum, and I think that that actually brings me comfort, both to, to read both liberal yeah. thinkers yeah. and conservative thinkers. And I think that it's it's about thinking that's going to get us through this, uh, not necessarily feeling, but sort of like relying on what works, what doesn't work, and and the why, the justification as to yeah, why we're doing so things. Uh, Look, my, my best friend and I never vote the same. This year we went to London to Your see... Your best friend from high school. From high school, yeah. yeah. Went to see uh, cons, went to see The Who. And on stage, so we had spent the whole time hashing out our different political views, but, but our friendship goes way back. We were best men at each other's weddings. Like, we weren't going to like let this thing kill our, our friendship. On stage, Daltrey and Townsend got in an argument about Brexit. So Townsend said, hey, this is a bad idea. Daltrey said, I think it's a pretty good idea. And we thought, those guys have been playing music for 50 years together, and they can still do this. We, Eric, you and I can be buddies. And there's a new book out on the relationship between Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I saw that. A yeah. And, and, and the same kind of thing. I mean, because Fonda was like this raging liberal, and Stewart was this conservative guy, but they were best buddies, and it did, they did not let their political ideology kind of like mess up their friendship. So I think that's from a mental health perspective, that's what we need to model for our, you know, we're about kids, right? So we're yeah. that's what we need to model for kids. How does this affect kids? I mean, that's a really important thing for our audience. I mean, it, it has to affect our, ki our kids. So right now we have only um, anecdotal data. I haven't seen any studies. They might be out there being done right now, but the anecdotal data I have, meaning the kids who come see me in the office, as well as my own kids, it's, they're listening. Like, it's, they're listening, they're, listening, they're fed up, they're angry that we can't figure out a way to talk to each other in a nice way. They're um, irritated that people on TV can say things that they're not allowed to say in school. <laughs> like th a lot of this yeah. stuff is just uh, on both sides, by the way. Yeah. It's not it's not a left or a right thing. They're just like adults are misbehaving. Mm -hmm. This it makes them. But angry. they're also misbehaving too, because I, I know a lot of uh, college kids, for example, that will actually not be friends with others who have positions on the other side of the fence. They won't even discuss things with each other. They won't even relate to each other, which is really awful because they feel dismissed and they don't feel like they're able to kind of like make connections. I think part of it is that when, when things are stressful, we like to get things more in a more simple framework. And I think we're all feeling pretty stressed about lots of different things. And the news is not generally good. In for many different topics. And so being able to sort of think in categories in a very simplistic way feels kind of good to us. And so being able to, to get to, you know, I think perspective taking is something that's lacking. Um, and also most of the time people have beliefs different fr from ours. It's oftentimes comes from a, from a good place. So, so, yeah. so, so and, to, to and it, it makes sense when we hear like, why, well, why do you believe so differently you have, than I so do? You have to like actively you put yourself in someone else's shoes. Right. right. So let's Try let's let's get some tips. So so let's provide some tips before we come to our closing. One what what tips would we give to our to our viewers? What Steve, you had a good one. Um, you put yourself in the other person's shoes actively. Like really do it. Don't just do it as an exercise. Don't do it as a sarcastic exercise. Say, I'm gonna try and imagine why you, who I love, who I've known forever, feel something so different from me. I'm going to try and articulate that. And you tell me if I get it right. Yeah. 
And along with that, I think, and this sounds so simple or silly maybe even, but to practice kindness. I mean, it's so easy for me to be enraged about a certain topic, but to think about, I, like being kind is much more uh, uh, useful. People than, listen and, more. Right, too. exactly. Like, am I am I being kind in this? Am I even being kind to myself in in the kinds of things that I'm doing? Or yeah, otherwise, thinking? it's just everyone's amygdala yelling at everyone's amygdala. Like yeah. it's just the limbic right, system. Right, exactly. So Which is what it is. I mean, amygdala, we feel the amygdala strongly about is the something. seat of the just rage, just fight, 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 no or flight, fight or flight. You're just revved up. Okay. And I also think, too, since we're talking about holidays, oftentimes alcohol is part of that. And I think a lot of times this kind of uh, uh, physical response comes from not necessarily being in control. That's a good thing to sort of remember to indulge. <laughs> to um, actively and just keep it in mind. Keep that in mind because that, that is never, a, a, it never tends to keep things quiet. And, and understand, I guess, that humans, um, we love simplicity, but we do better with nuance. So, so like our, we're, we're programmed to decide it's this or that. That's the way we're designed. Well, you always say um, uh, that, that part of our job is to make things simple, but it's also to make things people think more complicated, Compl kind of complicated fashion. But that doesn't come naturally to us as no. a species. So we have to get ourselves to and do And a lot it. of these arguments are really kind of too overly simplified. So try to be more nuanced complicated, think of all the different options. And not take it personally. This is well, not oftentimes, a, we, we feel sometimes when someone has a different viewpoint from our own that it's personalized, that they're saying something about us. And all of and this should reduce stress. Yes. Okay, and now it's time in our show for Monumental Mental Health Myths. This is the time where Herman will give us myths, hopefully about the topic in hand. So would you like to have this one, Steve? Sure. Okay, so this one says, well, this is interesting, because this is, a, this is a, a myth. Now you've never seen this myth. I have not, you? but I know the data around this. The, the holidays are a high risk time for suicide. F people say that, like this is the time when you start to see blog posts, articles, newspaper pieces. People get really worried. The yeah, risk of suicide so around the holidays. And so what does the data show? So the data shows it's not the highest risk time. It's not that you shouldn't worry about it, but the American Society for Suicide Prevention, the CDC, many public health oriented organizations have noted that actually the suicide peak is in, in the spring. It's March and April. And a little bit of that has to do with what latitude you live at. The holidays are a time of loneliness. So it's when you want to connect and reach out to people. So it's not as if we're saying don't worry about your family members, especially if they have some kind of psychiatric challenge around the holidays. But it's not a suicide risk time. It's a time, though, to feel very left out and lonely. And there is some data that the feelings that are planted during the holidays declare themselves huh. in the spring. So, so, so the, the moral would be to make some connections. Yeah. To reach out. Yeah. Okay. Which is what you're supposed to do anyhow. Right. All the time, I guess. Okay. Would you like to ask Herman to give me a myth? Yeah. Thanks, Herman. Herman, give him that. So, okay. <clears throat> Here's the myth. Our kids aren't listening. It's just not true. The kids are actually listening. They're, well, they're listening to a lot of stuff. They're listening to the news. They're listening to their, you know, smartphones. They're on their apps. They're listening to each other. Um, uh, but, they're, but most of all, they're really listening to 
to parents and caregivers. I mean, they're listening to what we have to say because after all, we are as, as parents, you know, they're ultimate role models and, and they do listen. They may not respond, you may not think they're listening, they may be in the other room, but they're hearing the arguments, they're hearing the fights, they're hearing, and they're watching us. And so the fact is, is that they are listening and what it means to me is that we have to be thoughtful about bringing our fight or flight responses down and be mindful of what we're saying and also what the ages of the kids are because kids are listening from very, very young. They may not understand the words, but they understand the music. Oh my. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, so the, the, even if they're not understanding what we're saying, they're understanding the emotional, the emotional. The, and, and the anxiety that might come from yeah. that. But you know, the other, the other thing to think about is that they're also hearing us when we're having active, good discussions. When we're yes. coming, we're arguing in a way that actually comes to some sort of resolution or where we're hearing someone that's else's point of say. view or yeah. integrating that. And so that's a, that's a, good, that's thing. a good thing. They are listening right. and that can be a good thing too. So we need to pay attention to what we're doing because they're What's listening. The thing and how we do and, what we're and doing. And how we do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks a lot for listening and watching, everybody. And if you have any uh, comments, questions, you want to contribute, get in touch with us. I'm Jean Bresson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And, and you. And I'm <laughs> Ellen Broughton. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. See ya.